Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. This is Kassar Deline, and I'm so excited to be here as your host on Lift Your Spirits Radio, which comes to you every Friday. You are listening to my amazing son, musician Dean Foster, and he's back at Berklee College of Music in Boston for his junior year. And as I mentioned, my name's Kassar Deline, and after overcoming my own health challenges naturally and helping thousands of clients over the past 30 years, I focus on providing valuable, natural health options so that you too can make healthy choices for your life. My background is in herbology, naturopathy, psychology, energy work, and meditation. And you can learn more about me and what I do and my services at truehealth.com. That's T-R-U-Health.com. And there you can find information on services and articles I've written, all kinds of fun stuff that's out there for people. So thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I'm welcoming a friend of mine, Susan Poisner, and she is a journalist, a filmmaker, an urban orchardist, and a fruit tree educator. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> Hi, Susan. Mouthful. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> so, so excited to have you here today. I can't wait to talk to you about all the things that you do. So, and you're up in Ontario, Canada, correct? I am. I'm based in Toronto. Toronto. It's a beautiful place. Mm. So, um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Well, like you, like you mentioned, I started off in a very different life as a journalist um, and a broadcaster, working in radio, traveling the world, doing interesting things that I loved. But uh, things changed when I came back to Canada, where I was born and grew up, and I met my husband. And uh, he's a wonderful, beautiful person. And he was always interested in gardening. He grew up in Trinidad, where you could just throw a seed out into the ground and a tree would grow. Wow! And so <laughs> he started gardening in our backyard. And I was like, oh, listen, as long as you take care of it all, I don't want to be responsible. You're going to plant all these tomatoes and I'm going to have to take care of them. Well, he planted the tomatoes and I fell in love because oh. I watched our food grow. And so as time went on more and more, I started to learn about different types of gardening. And at some point, trees just stole my heart away. I And I love trees. I was able to start identifying different trees, one from the other. All of a sudden, they were no longer street furniture that somebody just put there and I walked by. I could see the characters of the trees. I could see how lovely they were. And I thought, if trees are great, well, fruit trees will be even better. Because not only do they clean our air and make our neighborhoods more beautiful and cool our communities, but they also feed us. So I had the idea of starting a community orchard in my local park. And it all started from there. So how many fruit trees do you have? <laughs> well, <clears throat> excuse me, in the park, we've got probably 20 trees. Mm -hmm. um, we've got apples, um, apricots, Asian pears, service berries, cherries, plums. We got everything. And there's a whole hand, bunch of us volunteers. We go out every weekend to take care of the trees and plants to make the park beautiful, keep the trees healthy, to harvest the fruit when the community leaves it there long enough. Unfortunately, people harvest the fruit before it's ripe, which is really heartbreaking for us. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yes, so we've got all these beautiful trees. Now, everything's good now, 
But when I first planted those trees over 10 years ago, I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought, well, trees, they're easy. They just, you plant them and they take care of themselves, right? Well, uh, that's not the case. And the trees get pest and disease problems and it was a mess. And here I was launching an initiative in a local park, a very public place. Some people didn't even want this initiative in the community. Oh no! And I had to make sure that this was going to work because I couldn't have a bunch of messy trees you know, attracting insects and wasps. So I had to do my research as a journalist, did my research, took me years to figure out how do you bring up fruit trees successfully so that they're healthy, so they're productive and a positive experience rather than a negative experience. And so that's how orchardpeople.com was born. In the end, I wrote articles, I do a monthly podcast, and I have online fruit tree care education where I take people on a journey. They sign up for an online course, and through the course, they learn about how to care for fruit trees, but in a really fun and interactive way. That's great. And you've written some books, correct? I have, yeah. My first book was called Growing Urban Orchards, and I'm laughing because it's a really good fruit tree care book. It won an award, which was very nice, but it's also the story of my orchard. So I, when I wrote that, was still in the whirl of, you know, oh my gosh, I got to get this right. So the stories, originally I called it the ups, downs, and how-tos of fruit tree care. This version isn't called that because, man, we had a lot of downs and a lot of ups, and I share it all, no holding back, because people can learn from the lessons that the things that I did right and wrong. And people like stories. So they don't have to make the Susan mistake. Susan already made those mistakes. They had a good laugh. (laughs) And now they can do it right, right from the start. So that one is Growing Urban Orchards. My second book I just published this year, and, and it's called Grow Fruit Trees Fast. Because these days you meet people and they're like, yeah, I want to live sustainably. I want to plant a fruit tree and I want the harvest tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to write a book that you can read in one hour from cover to cover. And it'll tell you everything you need to do in order to make this journey successful. But just read it first Uh and you can decide whether or not you still want to do it. And they probably will, but at least they're no, they don't end up wasting that three years of like, I don't know what I'm doing. And why is this not working? I just tell them, hey, this is the stuff that's not going to work. Read the book. You'll know it ahead of time. So you can just avoid those problems. That's great. I'm curious. So um, because I know you've been around the world, um, you've lived in different uh, countries. Um, when do you find that that growing like growing the same tree somewhere else, that there's a lot of other things to take into consideration? That is such a great question. And I have my students are from all over North America. I even have students from Germany, India, Australia, because when I was on my journey in the beginning and struggling with the fruit trees, there was nobody local to help me. So in the end, I had to find people and raise money to pay them to come from the Niagara region, our fruit growing region, to come and teach me. So my goal when I created this training And when I do my radio shows, when I write the articles, my goal is to be a mentor for anybody wherever they live. So there are differences, which I always account for in terms of how they do their research, how to be precise with their trees. 
But when it comes to fruit trees, they all need the same care. They all need fertility management. They all need annual pruning, pest and disease prevention. And that's what I teach. But there's always room for the the, uh, regional variations. And this is applicable to any kind of fruit tree, right? I mean, I know thousands of different types of trees, right? Yeah, it's great for apples, peaches, pears, plums, apricots, cherries, all those uh, deciduous trees. In Toronto, sadly, I can't grow, um, I can't grow citrus outdoors. So citrus has many of the same needs. Many of my students do grow it. Pruning is a little different for, for citrus. Um, But uh, yeah, so I can't tell you that I'm a citrus specialist because I really don't have much experience. Okay. So it's uh, mostly just the other types of fruit trees, not citrus. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that there's a lot of like for apples, isn't there like three or 400 kinds of apples or something like that? I mean, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. There's like 2000. Oh, 2000. <laughs> I knew there was a lot. I couldn't remember. There's like, oh my gosh, there are so many different apple cultivars. And yet when we go to our supermarket, you get like, you know, five or seven to choose yeah. from, but there's many cultivars. Now, one of the things that I teach people to do, there are loads you can you know, historic heirloom cultivars, everything like that. But because I want people to have a positive experience with their fruit trees, um, I recommend that people go for disease resistant fruit trees. Those trees are easier to grow so that there's a whole host of disease problems that especially apple trees, but all fruit trees get. If you research and source a disease resistant fruit tree, then you don't have to worry about those things. Pests, you still have to worry about disease, no. So do you have um, resources where people can go to? I mean, is that listed in your book on where they can um, find trees to purchase? I know there's places that sell it over the internet. Um, Yeah, so on my website, um, I have a fruit tree nursery resource list. So if somebody goes into Google and they Google orchard people nursery list, They'll get a list of, I think, over 50 fruit tree nurseries across North America. And that's where you would go to research the perfect tree for you. On that page, I talk a little bit about how you, what you, the considerations you need to keep in mind. It's not just disease resistance. You need to think about pollination, cross-pollination, because for instance, apple trees, you plant one apple tree in your yard, you won't get any fruit. It needs an apple tree friend to be with it. So they need to cross pollinate. And so for instance, like, let's say you think, oh, I think I'm really smart. I'm going to, I know I need two apple trees. So I'm going to get two Macintosh apple trees. Well, those Macintosh apple trees are genetically identical. So they won't cross pollinate. It's like Uh almost having one. You need a Macintosh apple tree and maybe a golden delicious or something else. So there's, it's a bit of a jigsaw puzzle to get just the right tree for your conditions and needs. But it's worth doing that research. I even do a whole course um, on that at orchardpeople.com. I have all my online courses. And one is specifically how to choose a fruit tree that will thrive in your unique climate and conditions and for your needs. Great. I know know that there's a way also to graft uh, trees onto other trees. You can make like, like you could have a tree that have like five different kinds of apples on it. Do you talk about that as well? 
Well, I'm just about to launch this coming, uh, probably January, I'll be launching a course in grafting where I teach ordinary people, we can all do it, how to graft fruit trees, whether you want to create a new little fruit tree to plant in your yard from a rootstock and the top part, which is the cultivar, the variety, or if you want to, you've got an apple tree in your backyard Maybe you don't even like the apples on there. And you're like, hey, I can bring in some branches of all five different types of apples and I can just graft them right on there. And that's possible. And that's what I'll be teaching in my course, the new course, which is, uh, I think it's going to be called fruit tree grafting for everybody or something like that. That's great. So now you talked about the pollination though. If you have different types of apples, does it self-pollinate then? Or do you yeah. have to yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but the tricky part is, and this is why I'm not really a big fan of buying five-in-one apple trees where they're all it's already done for you. Fruit trees need pruning. The pruning increases tree health, but it also improves fruit quality for various reasons. So if you have a little tree with five branches on it, and those are five different varieties. Which ones are you going to prune off <laughs> when it's pruning time, right? It's yeah. very tricky. Whereas if you are grafting your tree, you've pruned it into a, a structure that's really a strong fruit bearing structure. And then you will strategically put those grafted branches in the right place where you're not going to prune them off because they are where, where they need to be. There's a, it's a, there's a few things to think about. <laughs> that's awesome. So um, uh, how, how often are your classes? Do you have them like, are they online or are they, how do you, how do yeah. you have them? So when people come and go to my website, uh, orchardpeople.com, they can sign up for my mailing list and the mailing list will notify people when I have a podcast or uh, when I have a new article up and you can browse all that stuff. The courses, however, are you can take it anytime. So as I said, I was a filmmaker. I used to work for the BBC and all sorts of other places when I lived in England. Um, but so I've created it. So each course is a series of shortish videos, let's say 15 minutes or less, you can watch one in a coffee break. Each video will have either uh, a quiz after it or an assignment. It's very and it's an interactive process where you're building up your knowledge, but you're doing stuff at the same time, which means that people can take the course at any time and they can always ask me questions. I'm always available to answer, but people have said, Susan, you've created this course in such a rock solid way that I don't have any questions. <laughs> um, and also people who sign up for my main courses, they get one-on-one uh, -on -one time with me to, you know, show me their pictures of the trees, ask specific questions. And sometimes people take me up on it and they love it. And some people, sometimes people say, nope, I, I got my information. I don't even need it. That's great. That's great. Well, we are talking to Susan Poisner today. And she is a fruit tree expert. And you're listening to True Health with Cassara Delina on Lift Your Spirits Radio. And stay tuned. We're going to be right back with some really uh, unique stories from Susan. Lift Your Spirits at Bayview Healing Suites on beautiful Whidbey Island. Bayview Healing Suites offers treatments in beauty, health, and wellness, and is located at Bayview Corner, open seven days a week. 
Sonia Sushagani offers acupuncture and traditional Eastern herbal medicine that restores balance within your body, mind, and spirit. You can reach out to her to book your wellness and self-care session at goldenearthhealingarts.com. Take some time for yourself to relax at Bayview Healing Suites in Bayview Corner. Lift your spirits with me, Dina Marie, on Whidbey Island. I'll be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul. Retreats include a healing session for your body, your mind, and your spirit. You'll receive a Reiki session plus a chakra reading, experience a labyrinth in the woods, take a walk on the beach, and enjoy downtown Langley with me. Retreats are customized for you or a group of friends. You can visit dina-marie.com to connect with me today. Island time is waiting for you. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 a.m. KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries. You can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Calling all architects, builders, homeowners, real estate professionals, or eco-conscious people. We invite you to the Northwest Green Building Slam at Seattle Town Hall, October 29th, 5 to 10 p.m. With tickets available for in-person or live streaming. The Slam is a Northwest Eco Building Guild showcase featuring a series of innovative and compelling stories of green building in the Pacific Northwest designed to inspire and engage. This year's event features the crowd favorite slam style inspiration with 10 speakers for 10 minutes with 10 slides each. Award-winning green builder Martha Rose will set the mood with a look back at some of the Northwest's progressive green building mentors. We expect this to be a sold out event, so don't delay getting your tickets at northwestgreen.org forward slash ticketing. That's northwestgreen.org forward slash ticketing. Hope to see you there. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. Broken down a sea of tears For us the only year that seems futile I promise it's worthwhile Hi, thank you for joining us this morning again. You're listening to True Health with Kassar Delina on Lift Your Spirits Radio. And today I'm talking to fruit tree educator, Susan Poisoner. Welcome back again, Susan. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I wanted to hear some, I know you have a community orchard where you live, but you've also helped other communities set up orchards. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, with my own community orchard, it's called the Ben Nobleman Park Community Orchard. Actually, we've been blogging from the very day that we planted our first fruit trees. So we have 10 plus years recorded in our blog every time things happen and our activities. And what I found with our orchard is these beautiful fruit trees, these incredible fruit trees that we were learning how to care for, did more than grow and beautify the park, but they brought us together as people and, and neighbors. And over the years, we've had so many interesting people come and often go if they move out of the community. Um, but our orchard unites people of all ages. We've got our youngest volunteer, believe it or not, is two years old. 
<laughs> mummy and daddy come. Daddy helps with a lot of the work in the park. And the mummy takes the little one, or her name is Kate, and takes Kate with a little watering can, and they go water our pollinator garden. Um, but we've got, you know, people of all ages up to mid-70s all working together. So different community orchards have different uh, purposes. Um, and I started another orchard or helped a group start another orchard in a community in Toronto. It's the Jane and Finch community. It is a neighborhood that is underserved. Um, there are crime problems there. Um, there's all sorts of issues, but it's a beautiful community with amazing people. And so uh, the, a group called the TRCA started an orchard on a property there. Now, one of their main problems is employment. It's hard for people to find jobs. It's hard for people to get jobs. They may not have education. So they brought me in as a consultant at first, and I helped them figure out what to plant and where to plant it. But the next step was to get the community involved. So I teach a course called Certificate in Fruit Tree Care. And I did the course for the residents of this particular property. Low-income people, many of them have no, have maybe even didn't finish their own education. It was one of the most beautiful, touching, and powerful experiences of my life. Because the first day, people would show up to class, maybe their arms were crossed, they're sitting back and thinking, what is this lady going to teach us? What is this rubbish, right? Mm -hmm. And over time, I just saw the, them light up as they started to realize how amazing fruit trees are. This is not just about taking a watering can and watering the tree and then sitting around and waiting for the harvest. Growing fruit trees is a partnership between you and the tree. If there is no partnership, I can pretty much promise you that in the long run, that tree won't be healthy and it won't be productive. The more that partnership works together, the more incredible the tree will be, the more productive it will be. So uh, I take these people through the course and there are, I think there, there were 32 students. I think there were like 24 or 28 graduates. We had a certificate and all the graduates got a whole bunch of great stuff that was donated by Fisker's Tools. So hand pruners, they got copies of my book, they got all sorts of stuff. And the goal was we wanted to know that when they finished this course, they could get work doing freelance fruit tree pruning for people in the neighborhood who had fruit trees. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. So out of the, I think it was 24 graduates, there was a group of, I think, four to six people who did freelance work in the community. But there were four other graduates that actually got jobs as a result. Oh, wow. Because of their experience growing fruit trees, there were um, urban agriculture programs that said, they said, look, I know how to grow fruit trees. Am I helpful here? You know, lots of people know how to grow vegetables, but not everybody knows fruit trees. And they're like, yeah, yeah we'll take you. So four people were employed. That uh, particular program continued on for a couple of years. We uh, went into more detail the following year. Uh, it was an apprenticeship program where I showed up with the students or the the graduates, and we worked together on trees. It was a very profound and beautiful experience. So I guess what I'm saying is every community orchard project has a different feel, 
has uh, different needs that they want filled and like things that they want to accomplish. And they're all beautiful. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. What a wonderful story. Um, so do any, I'm curious, do any trees that you've worked with stand out for you that you've worked with? Oh, I'm sure you've what worked a good with question. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're asking me to pick favorites, aren't you? <laughs> oh my gosh. You have okay, a story well, around one that you think was really magical or special. I can tell you some stories. Okay. So first of all, we planted our first trees in 2009. And at that time, the park had a lot of evergreen trees in it. And it's not a big park. It really isn't. So um, we had some plum trees, European plum trees. Two got disease. We had to cut them down. Oh, no. And that was really sad. We And we did not replace them with plum trees, knowing that this disease black, black nut was a problem in our park. So we planted apple trees instead. So we had one plum tree. And I mentioned to you that plum trees or that certain trees need pollination buddies. Yeah. So one little plum tree, one little plum oh. tree can't have babies, can't have uh, fruit. So I remember one year I looked at the plum tree and I'm like, wow, there is one plum on that tree. I said, oh my gosh, it's immaculate conception. Because <laughs> as far as we knew, there were no local plum trees to crops pollinated. So I thought this is a miracle. Oh so God. I don't know if that that plum was there at the end. We have a problem with people taking fruit, as I mentioned before, it's before <laughs> right. it ripens. But anyways, there was that one experience with the plum tree, the yellow plum. But then as time went on, things happened in our park and a couple of evergreen trees died. And we noticed Behind the evergreen trees, there was another plum tree. So it was preventing the bees and the oh. pollinators from going to that plum tree to our plum tree. And it was so heavy with fruit. One of the neighbors said, oh, there's a tree in this thing. That tree had been there for God knows like 20, 30, 40 years. And we had this fruit tree park that's not that big and we didn't even know about it. <laughs> so we, we started to care for that awesome tree. So I keep an eye on the plum tree little bit more fruit but it's a bit far for the bees to fly all the way from one corner of the park to the other corner so um so that was kind of you know interesting but then a few years later we got some money to get another plum tree and i got another plum tree and i planted it a little bit closer to the first one this year that plum was so heavy with fruit it was loaded loaded with fruit so that's the good part of the story and I'm proud of that tree because it survived black knot you know like it did have some we cut it out it's totally doing great um, it produced after all this this incredible harvest we are so excited to taste the fruit and one day I come to the park and there's a family of people harvesting with big ba filling big bags with all the fruit oh my and God. I'm like I know and I'm like, going up to them and I'm like, hi, um, you know, that fruit isn't ripe, right? And the lady, the mother said, oh, oh, yes, we like it this way. In our culture, we make this dish with, with these plums that aren't ripe. They're very expensive if you buy them in the store. And I said, oh, well, that's very interesting. And I totally understand. But that's a community tree. So our policy is, and I can show you in the bulletin board, if you come to the park and you see something ripe, pick one or two and eat it in the park. And if you want to enjoy bigger harvest, then come for a fruit harvesting day and we share it all up. 
And she said, oh, no, 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 that'll be too late for us because once it's ripe, we aren't interested. So I said, okay, I get it. Um, all right, well, can I ask you to stop harvesting now because you have a lot of fruit in your bag. And if you take all the fruit, there won't be any left for anybody else. And so she talked to me for a little bit. She theoretically agreed. I mean, there was no fruit left on that tree within, I don't know if they came back. We do have a little bit of heartbreak around that stuff um, because our cherry harvest is always amazing. You can't get that many cherries. Like the cherry tree is beautiful, big, awesome, wonderful. And you people aren't going to climb to get yeah. the fruit. So we always get a cherry harvest. But unfortunately, you know, the plums are producing really well. The apricots produce really well. But once the, the people who want a lot and don't want to wait find it, they'll come back every year and they grab it all. So the way we work, the way we work on ourselves is we say, look, this is a community project. It's an educational pro project. We are learning uh, how to grow fruit trees. We share the information. We build community. We get to know each other. We have fun. We beautify the park. We get to taste things here and there, but enjoying the bounty is maybe not part of what we should expect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's heartbreaking, though. <laughs> all that mm, that's work. a little sad. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? And and also like back to, you know, the this idea that fruit trees are really they are beings. And I have the honor of being connected to these beautiful beings and watching their journey like children growing up and seeing how they change and grow. And I interact with them every time I prune. I, I snip off certain branches to keep them healthy. And they're like, this is how they react. And it's like, we have a conversation going back and forth. They show me they liked that pruning or they didn't like that pruning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Now you talked a little bit about bees. Do you have a, um, anybody bring in bees or do you just let the bees that are in nature uh, show up? How does that work? Kassar, a great question. Because you need to have bees, you need to have beneficial insects as well. So we, People in the old days used to talk a lot about pollinators and pollinators are incredibly important. We wouldn't have, I don't know, 80% of our food we eat without pollinators like bees, um, but in butterflies and all those good things. <laughs> but there's also, we also need other insects. Uh, mm -hmm. We need insects that will eat insect pests that right. attack fruit trees. So we have in the park, a big, beautiful pollinator garden, we call it. But we've uh, carefully selected plants that not only will feed the pollinators throughout the growing season, um, but it will also attract beneficial insects. So these are insects that will actually attack. They're predatory. They're parasitic. So they'll lay their eggs inside another insect and slowly eat up that other insect. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, it's brutal world. Uh, a, a story about that is our cherry trees. One year we had an aphid problem in Toronto. These are little tiny insects that can do quite a number on yeah. cherry trees and other trees. They're nasty. And so I come to the park, it was all over Toronto. And I saw trees that looked like they were dying because of this. And I saw the aphids that hit our cherry trees. And I was just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So I go home and think about it for a few days, didn't act right away. By the time I came back to the park, I saw a whole bunch of other insects on the tree and I thought, what are these? And some of them I recognized as ladybugs, but I thought, what are the other ones? Some looked like little tiny alligators. 
I'm oh, like, wow. are these bad guys? <laughs> Turns out the little tiny alligators are actually the ladybug in a different life stage. Really? Wow. Yes, they are. You can Google it. What, what Google life stages of ladybugs. They, we had all the life stages of the ladybugs. They were feasting on the aphids yeah, yeah, yeah. within the week. Our fruit tree was perfect. Perfect. There was not a problem. And it's thanks to the pollinator garden. So other trees in the city, if they didn't have anybody con like conscientiously looking, what plants do I need to attract the beneficial insects, then they might have had trees that really suffered uh, at that time. But our trees did great. Mm -hmm. Knock on wood. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I knew that I knew that ladybugs uh, attacked uh, aphids, but I didn't know they had a life cycle with an alligator. That's crazy. Yeah, they, you wait and see. I don't know. Maybe it's just me that thinks they look like an alligator. They're very cute I'll in all stages. But... Google that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I love, I think everybody loves ladybugs. They're so oh, cute. Yeah. <laughs> They're so sweet. And butterflies, um, of course. So I have some other questions. So um, I'm curious because I know some trees that are uh, planted. I don't know if fruit trees fall into this category, um, but I know some trees have to have certain organisms within the soil because there's like a symbiotic relationship. And if the organism isn't in the soil or the nutrient isn't in the soil, then, then that relationship doesn't work and the tree dies. Is that also true with uh, fruit trees? Yes, that is absolutely true with fruit trees. So people have misconception that you go to the store, pick up fertilizers for fruit trees. And there are, there are on Amazon, you can Google fruit tree fertilizer. They will have a whole bunch of them. They'll all have different numbers on them, like NPK numbers, right. which is the nutrients. Right. You're thinking, well, if they're all for fruit trees, why do they all have different numbers? And so your question is so smart because you're saying, is, doesn't it have to do with the soil? So those fertilizers are designed for some fictitious garden with some fictitious situation, <laughs> right? Because right, you don't right. know what nutrients are in your soil already. Exactly. And exactly. if you dump that stuff in, too much fertilizer not only damages the environment, but damages the soil and can yeah. do so irreversibly. So we we kind of see ourselves as uh, livestock farmers and our livestock is those little microbes in the soil. We want to encourage them because right. they feed our fruit trees. So what happens is the soil has nutrients in it for sure. We uh, test our soils before we stout out and we look what nutrients are in there. But the tree can't get those nutrients. The tree's roots do not have, it can't, doesn't have teeth, it can't chew. It can't, it can only take in nutrients in liquid form. So it has to suck them in. So how's it going to get from this solid nutrients into nutrients into the tree? Well, that's what our microbes are for. Those lovely little things, those tiny little critters. They're the ones that they can take things like compost or organic matter in the soil. They eat it up, they poop it out or they die <laughs> in the soil. Right. And when they die or when they release the stuff, they, um, that those nutrients are in a more plant available form that can be taken into the tree. So if you have soil, that's more like dirt, it has no life in it. There are no microbes in the soil. You're going to have a struggling fruit tree. So we have to work on how do we feed those microbes? Definitely organic matter is a great way to go. There are certain holistic sprays that we also use. Uh, if people go to my website, orchardpeople.com, 
and they can put in the search box spray or holistic spray or something like that. And uh, these sprays allow the fruit tree to photosynthesize more, to create lots of juices that it can use in its body, sugars to grow. And trees have this thing, they release some of those juices into the soil. Guess who those juices attract? Yay, microbes. <laughs> so it's just this beautiful, wonderful cycle. I yeah, like no, our microbes. Yeah, I, I remember when I took a microbiology and we talked a lot about that. It was really fascinating. Um, so uh, do you have resources on your website also for the testing? How, how, where do people go to get that done? Yeah, so go to orchardpeople.com and I have on my articles page, there is a section, there are articles on pests, there are articles on soil. In that section, you'll find articles on microbes. Um, and you'll also find, I think, an article on soil testing. I've also done a number of podcasts on soil testing. So there are labs everywhere. Your priority is to use a lab that is local to you. You yeah. don't need to order a fruit tree that's local, um, though sometimes it's good. You want to go for it to a specialist fruit tree nursery. Don't go to the garden centers. They don't have the best trees. But in terms of a soil test, your local lab will understand your soil better than right. if you send your soil test far away. Yeah, it's similar to, you know, I, I help people with health and it's the same type of thing. We try to show people how they can take the pH and use that as a factor in their bodies so that they're creating an environment that doesn't feed organisms. But in this case, we want to feed organisms, or at least the right ones, right? Not the yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I wonder if it's the same for the human body Oh yeah, in absolutely. the soil, the more yeah. you have of the good organisms, they just naturally the, control absolutely. the bodies. That's right. So remind listeners how they can get a hold of you again. Okay. So if people are interested, all they have to do is go to orchardpeople.com, orchardpeople.com, and you'll learn all about fruit trees. I've got a page on articles with loads of articles page with my live podcasts. Um, and I've got another page where it says courses. If you click on courses, you'll see all of the courses I offer. Great. So this is Kassara Deleen from True Health. And you can reach me at truehealth.com. That's T-R-U health.com. You're listening to True Health with Kassara Deleen on Lift Your Spirits Radio. And we'll be speaking more with author and fruit tree educator Susan Poisner. We'll be right back. Just take my hand before it's all So are you ready to have a major breakthrough in your life? Marlo Williams, a certified life coach and TLT practitioner, transforms lives, moving her clients from apathy to happiness, from stress to balance, from uncertainty to total confidence and more. Marlo will help you identify the one breakthrough point you can change to live life in more harmony with your true self. It is life-changing. Sign up for a complimentary session at MarlaWilliams.net and experience the magic of moving from stuckness into a life you love. So are you feeling down? Well, give yourself the gift of relaxation and better health. The Energy Genesis is a safe 360-degree healing chamber that uses a pleasant combination of light and sound frequencies to create a resonance of peace and tranquility. Within minutes, your body eases into a deep state of rest and begins to gently heal and reconnect to spirit. To learn more about Energy Genesis Therapy and all of its benefits, visit EnergyGenesisSeattle.com. 
Are your medical expenses increasing, but your health is not improving? True Health offers unique services where Kasara empowers clients with intuition, education, and proven resources. Better choices can be made when information is available. Now's the time to visit truehealth.com. That's T-R-U-Health.com. And schedule your appointment to achieve your health goals. Your body will thank you. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 a.m. KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries. You can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. You're listening to True Health by Kasara on Lift Your Spirits Radio. And I'm speaking with Susan Poisoner, a fruit tree educator and author. And she's given us lots of really wonderful information on fruit trees and some really fun stories. Who, who are your students that uh, you mostly teach, Susan? So my students can be anybody. It can be uh, like, for instance, a homeowner who thinks, I have a nice space in my backyard. Maybe I want to grow fruit trees. I want organic fruit that's free for me because yeah. um, fruit is so expensive, especially organic. So I have homeowners who come take my courses. Interestingly, there's also a lot of arborists who take my courses because arborists first, by the way, I have such admiration for arborists, especially climbing arborists who climb trees. Yeah. Um, but their training does not involve fruit trees. So fruit trees is horticulture. It is raising a crop, whereas they care for um, native trees, ornamental trees. They know how to do everything about what to do with those, but how do you get a fruit tree to be healthy and produce a crop? Uh, So, and also gardeners, whether it's just people who do it as a hobby or people who do it professionally, they come to me. Um, and also something that people don't, I wonder if your listeners know this, people don't realize that fruit trees are like Franken trees. They're like Frankenstein (laughs) because they're not just one tree. They're not like most, you know, an oak tree will come from a seedling and it'll grow. They're actually two pieces of tree. You get the roots from one tree. Uh, so that's called the rootstock. And then somebody clips a branch off a tree, which produces yummy fruit. Let's say it's a Macintosh apple and you graft the two of those together. Um, So they do that in the nurseries for us. So pretty much every single fruit tree that you will buy will be grafted. And that means they need some extra special love and and extra special care. I had no idea. Yeah, absolutely. Because that would be, that is the only, that is the reason that a Macintosh apple tastes pretty much the same if you have it here in Toronto, or if you have it in Seattle, or if you have it in London, England, they all have, they are genetic clones. That's the top part of the tree. The top part of the tree, the trunk comes from a little clipping of a branch of the original, either the original Macintosh apple tree or one of its progeny, right? In terms of 
that original Macintosh apple tree was cut up into, let's say, 300 pieces. Those were grafted into 300 trees, which were then planted. And then each of those trees, people cut off pieces and grafted those. So um, they need extra special care. So, so is there, yeah. oh, sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm just excited about this. So is there, is there a, is there an original though, that, that like a wild Macintosh, does that taste different at all or? Well, the original Macintosh, which by the way, is from Ontario, Canada, oh, where really? I live. <laughs> yes, yes, fancy, but it is true. Um, so the original one was an accident apple. So what probably happened, it was found on a farm and maybe the farmer ate an apple from one of his trees and spat out the the seed. So this was not a grafted apple tree, the individual, the first one. It was spontaneously grown from seed. Now, here's the thing about apples. If I were to have seeds from 100 different Macintosh apples, and I planted them out in a farm to grow seedlings, each one of them would produce fruit, and none of the fruit would taste like a Macintosh. They would all be genetically unique individuals because they are not grafted trees. They grew from seed. And just like if you have a child, your child isn't a clone of you. It is a genetic individual with some, you know, DNA from dad and DNA from mom, right? So apples and all fruit is pretty much the same like that. So the Macintosh apple tree started off as a seed. Um, somebody just threw it away and the owner of that farm, whose name, last name was Macintosh. I can't remember what his first name was. He went and he's like, oh, I'll try this fruit, took a bite. And he's like, man, this tastes good. This is probably in the 1800s. I can't remember when, uh-huh. um, or maybe in the early 1900s. He's like, this is a good tree. This is a good, I'm going to take some cuttings from this tree and I'm going to make other trees and I'm going to make lots of money. So, um, and that's what happens. So there is such a thing as wild apple trees. They would have, they would not taste as good as a Macintosh apple tree or a honey crisp or whatever. They wouldn't taste as good or they just taste different or? The chances of you having a yummy, in terms of apples, apples uh-huh. are, have great biodiversity. And for a great tasting apple, you need a certain amount of sweetness and crunchiness yeah. and juiciness. It's probably like a thousand to one that you're going to get something that tastes good. So you it's, don't want to just plant seeds from your apple, then you want to do buy yeah. the tree. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm curious also, is there, you talked about the bugs. Is there certain plants that you should plant around your fruit tree that would attract um, uh, bugs that kill the other bugs? <laughs> the bad yeah. Bug? The, great question. Um, so some people like, I keep my plants When I plant a fruit tree, I don't plant anything around its roots because young fruit trees, as I said, they're Franken trees. They're made of two trees. They're delicate. Their roots don't want competition, especially when they're young. So I don't want to put hostas around it or whatever. I just want to care for the fruit tree, feed that tree properly every year, all that stuff. But not far away, we have our pollinator garden. And so the pollinator garden can have plants that are like, Things like chives or from the onion family, they produce smells that can distract the insects that are maybe looking around for apple trees or other fruit trees, and they're like confused by the smells. Um, But there's, we focus on native plants, native plants that will attract pollinators and predatory insects. 
Um, so yeah, it can be anything from echinacea, which is purple cone flower. Mm -hmm. We plant bee balm. Um, just trying to think what else we've got. Um, Fernonia is one, though I'm not sure if that's a native plant. We've got blanket flower, and it the garden looks beautiful because yeah. it's got flowers throughout the season, but it's functional as well. We could, no. you can you can think of it as an insectary, right? Like for all the baby insects, <laughs> lullaby, <great>. you know. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, for our little babies. I, I remember I grew up in Oregon and um, in Southern Oregon, and I remember the smudge pots that used to be in the uh, fruit tree uh, orchards. Um, and so they would put these smudge pots out and it would, it would heat up the orchards to keep the trees from freezing. And since we're going into winter, I wonder if there was um, advice you have for people with their fruit trees for, um, for winter and how to keep them warm and prevent them from freezing and damaging the tree. Mm -hmm. I don't think yeah. they use smudge pots anymore. I don't know what they use now, but I just yeah, I gotta research that. I love oh. that memory. I'm gonna research what they use because I'm fascinated. So what we do, um, and we've got a pretty cold climate here, but I think it's pretty good for anybody to do is, in the fall, your fruit tree is preparing to go into dormancy, so um, its activities will slow down. Uh, it takes all the nutrients from the leaves and the leaves go brown as it pulls in the nutrients and it pulls those nutrients into the root system. So the roots are the most important part. And the best thing you can do in the fall is to insulate those roots from the cold. So you might want to put down two inches of wood chips, for instance, over the roots in a circle, making sure that those wood chips do not touch the trunk of the tree. So you want a circle of naked soil, like maybe six inches right around the trunk. And then further out in a donut shape, you will put your two inches of wood chips. Ideally, you want the wood chips to reach to the edge of the canopy because that is where the feeder roots are. So oh. a lot of people, they plant a fruit tree or any tree and they do a little mulch circle around it that's like a few inches wide and it's totally not functional. Because you want those exterior. So what we do is we pull back the grass. We get rid of the grass up until the edge of the canopy. And we extend that every year. We have big mulch circles. And so that's where you would put the wood chips that will insulate the roots and help the tree to go to sleep. And then in the spring, that's the time you're going to feed the tree. You'll pull back those wood chips briefly. You'll put some compost around the roots of the tree to feed the tree for that year and then cover up the wood chips on top. Wonderful. And then if um, someone wants to know kind of the steps to either start an orchard or plant a tree, they can reach out to you and, and yeah, so here's what I would say for the best chances of, of success, um, do a little research first. So one option is go to amazon.com uh, and look up the book grow fruit trees fast. And just get that book and read it cover to cover. I wrote it so it's entertaining and an easy read. And that will tell you all the steps you need to do from finding a tree that's disease resistant and easy to grow, to planting it, to feeding it, pruning it, and protecting it from pests and diseases. You're going to get all that information. And the other part of the book is if you want to go into depth into any topic, you just have to, um, I, I share links for all the related articles 
and podcasts on that topic. So literally this one hour book can be completed in an hour, or you could probably spend 10 hours going into a bunch of different rabbit holes and having a good time. Mm-hmm. So great. I think that would be a good start or go to orchardpeople.com. The other option is to take a course that I've done, which is researching fruit trees for organic growing success. And they can find that at orchardpeople.com. Just click on the courses page. That's great. Thank you so much, Susan, today. Um, Remind people how they can get a hold of you. So my website is orchardpeople.com. And um, you can reach out to me there. um, Or you can send me an email info at orchardpeople.com. That's great. You're listening to True Health by Kassara Deline on Lift Your Spirits Radio. This is Kassara, and you can reach me at truehealth.com. That's T-R-U-Health.com. Thank you so much for joining me this month, and we hope to see you again next month. And I'm going to leave you with some more music from my son, musician Dean Foster. Wow.